We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. Proud to be part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Today, it is a special weekend episode of the LakersNation.com podcast. We've got a few important topics that we need to get into. We've got kind of a mini trade update, not a full update on the Lakers thinking, but a little bit of an update from Adrian Wojnarowski on what the Lakers are thinking on the trade front. We've also got some rumors that the Lakers are exploring potentially signing Mo Harkless. I need to talk about that. Plus, I've got some fan questions and comments that came in via Super Chats over on YouTube following the Lakers' unfortunate loss to the Clippers that we didn't have time to get to during the live show. So I want to make sure that we address those today as well. So a few news topics to get into that we're going to get into a little bit of Q&A. Um, quick reminder, though, make sure you do subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel if you're watching the video version of this. Over on the audio side, the Apple Podcast version, guys, go, go subscribe over there if you haven't already. Of course, make sure you give us that five-star rating and review. Love reading the reviews over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. You can take the LakersNation.com podcast with you pretty much anywhere. All right, let's get into the news for today. So first and foremost, I've got a lot of Lakers fans that I'm seeing that are very frustrated. Uh, the team is 0-2 right now. I think when you look at what happened in that Clippers game, kind of having a little bit of time to digest what went down in that game, you're, you're a couple of shots away, three shots away, right, from winning that game. That's essentially what, what you're looking at here. And Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, it's not all on them, but the three of them combined shot one for 25. I mean, what like that's an unbelievable number. And we talked about this on, on the live show, one for 25, like that's hard to do. And somehow they did. They shot one for 25. You know, if you shot, if you shot four for 25, which is awful, like that's horrible. You would, you would feel terrible shooting four for 25 if they had managed to do that. The Lakers win that game. The Lakers did enough to win that game. And so it's really unfortunate that they don't walk away with the W. But when you look at this, the reaction, my reaction was, how do you not make a trade? How do you see what we saw with such a clear deficiency in one specific area and not help this team out, not give them what it is that they need? And that is some more shooting, particularly coming from the wings. If you're Rob Palenka and you're in the building and you're watching that game, 
how do you watch that game and just sit back and not do anything? That doesn't mean they're going to do it right this second. But seeing the struggles this team's having just makes me that much more convinced that there's something here. They've got something good, I think, brewing. Not saying it's perfect. It's clunky. And you have to ask the question of whether or not a move will actually push them far enough to get where they want to go to actually contend for a championship. That, of course, is always going to be that bar that they have to clear. But this team, I think, has something. And I think we, sh we saw flashes of it against the Clippers. They were so scrappy. They were doing the things they needed to do on the defensive end of the floor. We saw some improved looks on the offensive end, and the ball just won't go in the basket. Now, I do think that they are due for positive regression here. I ran the numbers. They should be shooting about 33% from three as a team based on the personnel that they've got. They're right now shooting 22%. Now, obviously, there's going to be some fluctuation in that 33%. Maybe it's really 35%. Maybe it's really 28%, right? You could bounce around a bit. But the bottom line is they should be significantly better than 22%. And I'm going to chalk that up to a small sample size issue. Still, this team, as we were saying all offseason, is screaming for a trade. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN uh, did a, a segment where he mentioned that the Lakers, essentially the problem is right now that the Lakers see the deals that are out there. And he says the deals that are out there are essentially the deals that were out there during the summer, which is uh, Utah, although since Utah traded Boyan Bogdanovich, I don't know that they would you know, really be in, the, in contention for a trade with the Lakers at this point, uh, unless they want to give up I don't know, Lowry Markinen or something. By the way, Utah is 2-0. and Whoops. <laughs> they're, they're winning games right now. Utah is, was hoping to tank, and now they are 2-0. and They're perfect on the season, and they are winning games. Jordan Clarkson, Kelly Olenek, Lowry Markinen, these guys are, are going nuts and doing their thing out there. Mike Conley's doing some stuff, too. Who knew? So I don't know. But look, one of the points that Woj made, just to skip ahead a bit here, one of the points that Woj made was that you're going to have some teams that want to tank for Victor Wembanyama, And so the Lakers are kind of hoping that the deals that were there this summer that they didn't think were quite good enough or were too expensive because they would have to give up two firsts, that there's going to be some more teams as the season goes on that are incentivized to sell off talent because they want to tank for Victor Wembanyama. You can't accidentally win games with players like Kelly Olenek, like Lowry Markinen, like Jordan Clarkson, if you trade those guys away. Right? If you get them off your roster, you, you don't have to try to make something up to sit them on the bench or whatever so you can lose games. So Woj thinks that is going to be a factor in the Lakers, and that's why they want to wait 20 games reportedly for this to, to kind of settle, for the dust to settle around the league before they start really exploring trades. So that's a factor. But the other problem is every single team they talk to says two firsts or no deal. We know you're desperate, two firsts or no deal. Right. And that's where the Lakers team right now, they've got to start playing better. The Lakers front office needs them to start winning some games so that it takes some of that pressure off and some of that desperation or that perceived desperation goes away and helps them out on the trade market. So that's a factor, too. According to Woj, the Lakers still not thrilled that both picks are being demanded in any trade that they try to get involved in. And instead, they want to make it where it's one first. Maybe it's one first and they take back salary, meaning Russell Westbrook is, is an expiring contract. You look at a team like, say, the Charlotte Hornets, where you've got Terry Rogier, who has a long-term deal. You've got Gordon Hayward has another deal on his, on his uh, contract after this one. That's a team where maybe they want to offload some salary at some point. 
And so then you can offer a kind of a, a get out of the, the contract free card, right? With Russell Westbrook, the contract expires at the end of the season and you clear up all that space moving forward. So the Lakers also are going to look to try to avoid giving up both picks by finding players who potentially have contracts that go beyond this year. Now, the key is if you're going to do that, you want to find players who you know can help you beyond just, just this year. So that means not the aging veteran guys who still have multiple years left on the deal, but you're looking for guys who are more you know, mid to late 20s, somewhere in there, to where if you have a guy for two, three more seasons, they can combine with Anthony Davis moving forward, with LeBron James moving forward, and not just be kind of a one-and-done type player, like maybe a Boyan Bogdanovich would have been. Uh, certainly if they had done that deal to get uh, you know, Rudy Gay, the rumored one, Mike Conley, who knows what he looks like next year. People are already concerned about him for this season after what he did in the playoffs this last year. So you would want to ideally try to find some younger players as well. That's a lot, I know, to try to put on the Lakers wish list that you need shooting, you need a wing, you need it to you need to only give up one first plus Russ is expiring in order to get these players. That's a lot. And that's why the Lakers are trying to be patient here. Now, that being said, Lakers fans are pretty frustrated with, with, the, with what they see. And as I've been saying, this team very clearly needs something. So something's got to give. Either the Lakers front office gets fed up with seeing this team struggle with shooting and finally just pulls the trigger on a deal, even if they might not feel it is the absolute best they could get, but the team is floundering, or the team starts playing better, that takes some of the pressure off the front office, and maybe they can make a better deal in a month, two months, however long it takes. Remember, December 15th, when most of the league that got signed over the summer becomes trade eligible, and often that opens things up on the trade market as well. One of the other things that the Lakers need to keep an eye on is free agency. Yeah, most of the free agents are off the market, but Mo Harkless is still out there. Uh, he is a 6'9 wing, only 29 years old, and the Lakers are sorely lacking in the wing department. They need more wing players very clearly, particularly right now with Troy Brown Jr. out. You just don't have a lot of size on the wing. You've got guys like Lonnie Walker, like Austin Reeves, who are kind of being forced to play small forward by default just because the Lakers don't have enough guys that are the size of big wings. And we saw that be, a, be a, an issue against the Clippers. The Clippers were just bigger and longer at most positions than the Lakers were. I've been harping on this for years now, that the Lakers need to find more switchy wings who can shoot threes. Of course, the challenge being that every team in the NBA is looking for that. So much easier said than done. But Mo Harkless, is he a guy the Lakers should sign? Uh, you know, his defensive rating is not bad. When you look at what he did last season with the Sacramento Kings, um, he was he was in when I pulled the numbers on cleaning the glass. He was somewhere in like the 70th percentile at his position defensively in terms of the defensive impact his plus uh, his on off numbers would suggest. So he's one of the better wing defenders relative to players who play his position on the wing. He's not the best or anything like that, but he's solid. He can help you win games on that end of the floor defensively at six nine. He's long. He's lanky. He can be switchy. He's what you're looking for. So what's the problem? It's the other end. He shoots 32% from three. For this Lakers team, with the shooting being such a problem, you're just perpetuating it if you go and you sign a guy like Mo Harkless. Now, what I think is interesting is if the Lakers do pull a trade and Russell Westbrook goes out and you bring in some guys that are some better three-point shooters, Mo Harkless coming in as a potential rotation piece isn't a bad idea to give you a little bit more size, to give you more versatility on the wing. If you do go ahead and make a move, that's going to help you clear some of the log jam right now. The Lakers have too much of their talent stuck in the guard position. And you've got guys kind of tripping over each other. Imagine what it's going to look like when Dennis Schroeder comes back. It's hard enough to find guard minutes for everybody right now. 
So if the Lakers can make some kind of a move, sending out Russ, maybe sending out another guard as well, Mo Harkless could still be an option for them. News broke yesterday that not only were the Lakers interested and are they discussing bringing in Mo Harkless, which is what Mark Stein mentioned, but Shams Trania said the Lakers actually brought him in for a workout and, uh, and met with him. So clearly they are interested in potentially bringing him in. Logistically, what they would have to do in order to sign Mo Harkless is they'd have to waive somebody. They have a full roster right now. You have three guys on guaranteed contracts. Now, those players are Austin Reeves, Wenyan Gabriel, and Matt Ryan. Now, you don't have to waive one of those guys. You could waive a player with a guaranteed contract, with the downside being, of course, that if you waive one of those guys, you are still locked in on paying them for the remainder of the season because they have a guaranteed contract. Whether they're playing basketball for you or not, you are paying them that money. So that's not ideal. Non-guaranteed contracts, you waive them, that money goes away, and you could then use that roster spot to sign uh, Mo Harkless. So the question then becomes, who are you waving? Well, it's not going to be Austin Reeves. Is it Wenyan Gabriel? Is it Matt Ryan? Probably lean Matt Ryan, but then you run into the problem that Matt Ryan might be the best shooter on the team. I don't know. Kendrick Nunn might have something to say about it, but he didn't shoot well in this past game. Matt Ryan may very well be the best shooter on the team, and this team is lacking in shooting. I mean, he's getting early minutes in games because the Lakers are so absolutely starving for shooting. So it would be a tough sell to put in, to take out Matt Ryan, who can shoot the ball, and put in Mo Harkless, who's a 32% three-point shooter. Again, kind of perpetuating that problem, even though I do like his defensive fit. So as the roster currently sits, I don't know if that's necessarily the right move, but if things get shaken up on the trade front, let's say the Lakers in a week, in two weeks, they decide, you know what? We need to pull the trigger on a trade now. We can't wait till Thanksgiving. This team needs help. Something changes. A team comes up with a better offer. When the dust settles, maybe there's a spot for Mo Harkless on the roster. And I think it makes sense for the Lakers to at least kind of kick the tires there, see what he's got, bring him in for a workout, get some information, and then you know Moving forward, if the opportunity arises to bring in another wing, he could be a good option to go with. All right, let's get to those fan questions that uh, that were coming in uh, via Super Chat in our last live show. By the way, we will be live again on playback uh, for tomorrow's Lakers game against the Blazers. It's going to be an afternoon game here in the U.S. I know this gives uh, our overseas fans, uh, sometimes depending on where you're at, a better opportunity to see live games. So excited for that afternoon game coming up. Uh, against the Blazers on Sunday, and we will be on playback for that as well. Uh, Quadre Poinsett said, imagine the haul for AD and two picks, just saying. So he's saying attach the two picks, not to Russell Westbrook, attach them to Anthony Davis. Uh, I The Lakers, like as much as we like to get into fantasy basketball and making up trades and trade machine and, and all that kind of stuff, and look, again, it's fun to go in there and play around with all these things. It's I, I just don't think it's realistic, not this season. Not this season. I think this season is really important, though, for the Lakers and for AD and for his standing with the team. Um, there were the reports that the Lakers front office was not too thrilled with what they saw out of AD. There were a little bit, you know, some concerns that maybe he's not really this 1A player that they hoped they were getting when they brought him in and that they saw uh, that helped them win a championship in Orlando, that he might not be that. And so this season, I think it's important that AD not just prove he's healthy, but prove he can be that guy, again, prove he can be that 1A guy, that destroyer of worlds that we saw in the playoffs a couple of seasons ago, just, just two years ago now, just over, um, in the playoffs when they won the championship. That's what you need to see out of Anthony Davis this season. 
if you don't, then maybe that's something trading AD that the Lakers start to consider when they get into a post-LeBron world. But now LeBron and AD's contracts are also aligned in terms of when they have their player option and when they can both get out of the deal. So I don't know which way this is ultimately going to go. I just don't think they're ready to pull the trigger and trade AD right now, especially because what are you what are you really getting? Like you could probably get a lot for AD and two first, but do you really if you're trading away AD, do you want to have to throw in two first? Who are you going to go get that's going to be better than AD and help you win a championship? That's got the experience with LeBron and, and all of those things. And then are you kind of selling low on Anthony Davis because he's had a couple of down seasons and injury factors and all those things? You're certainly not getting what you gave up for him. So that's a challenge too. I don't think it's happening anytime soon, but I do think that as far as AD's future with the Lakers go, it's important that um, you have a good season this year. I think it's going to be an important thing. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Just Beasy said, bro, 0 for 11. When these questions came in, a lot of people, and I know people still are, were upset about what happened against the Clippers. He said, at this point, Russ is forcing his way out. There's no way a top 75 player of all time plays this bad. Look, the shooting truly was terrible. I mean, it's hard to miss that much. I said it before, one for 25 between three players. That doesn't, that shouldn't be possible. And yet here we are. Um, 0 for 11. Yeah, look, it was bad. Russ was missing everything. He was missing layups. I thought his shot selection was poor on a few of the pull-up jumpers that he took. Uh, the 1-3 with 17 seconds left on the clock that was making the rounds, that was horrific. I mean, I was saying on the live uh, live stream that that needed to be an instant benching. And to his credit, Darvin Ham did sit Russ down after he took that shot. Uh, he simply can't take those shots. He can't take the above-the-break threes. He can't take the pull-up jumpers. Those are a complete no-go unless there's five seconds or left on the shot clock. He's got to restrict his shot chart to corner threes, to shots at the rim, those types of looks. Um, but in general, I think he's done a better job that we've seen from what we've seen this season. He just could not get anything to fall against the Clippers. It was a mixed bag, though, in that he was still good defensively. He made a couple of big plays down the stretch against Kawhi Leonard. Uh, we don't tend to think of him as a defensive player, but there were positives and negatives to what he did out there. I don't know if he's forcing his way out. I don't know that he can. Like, if he really, if Russ really started to raise a stink, the Lakers would send him home. But, I mean, they're already trying, trying to trade him. I mean, what's, he's not going to, it's not like he's going to go request a trade or, you know, forcing his way out. If he starts to become a problem, which I'm not saying that he is, 
But if he did start to become a problem, the Lakers would just say, go home. Because let's face it, of the teams that are looking to trade for Russ potentially right now, none of them are looking to trade for him for what he does on the floor. He's a $47 million expiring contract. You trade him to Indiana, they probably don't even print up a Westbrook jersey. They're not going to bring him to the team. They're going to try to buy him out. They're going to send him home. He'll be a free agent. So I don't think his value changes if he's sitting at home. I don't think that changes because teams just see him as an expiring contract. So I don't see any way that Russ can force his way out. The Lakers are already trying to trying to trade him and doing what they can to get him out. Again, I don't think there's any way Rob Polinka can sit in the stands and watch that game and think, yeah, we're good. We don't need to do anything. We're all set. We're fine here. No, this team, it needs a trade. The question is when. When is the appropriate time? That's going to be, de- be determined by the team's record as we go through this next stretch of games and what opportunities appear, how the, the dynamics around the NBA shift as we get closer to that Thanksgiving-ish timeline. All right, Jose Ortiz said, I don't know how you can compare Russ to Wall. Wall has a mid-range game, better hands, better IQ, and game management. Russ only knows two things, grab the ball and go fast. Look, Russell Westbrook, I, I had made the comment on the show that Russell Westbrook, had you shipped him out, a lot of people were asking, should they have done that trade last year with Houston where you would trade Russ and a first for John Wall? And I said my answer was still no, that... John Wall isn't different enough from Russ. They're not the same player. And look, I think John Wall at his best can be can be good. But I keep coming back to just conceptually. I don't think for this Lakers team with LeBron and AD, having a $47 million point guard is the proper use of resources. It's not. You want that $47 million spent on wing players who can defend and can shoot. Maybe it's three or four guys. Ironically, maybe it's three or four guys like the three or four guys that they traded originally for Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I get it. But here's the thing. If you're the Lakers and you say, LeBron, we don't want him, or LeBron does not want to have to initiate the offense anymore. At least not every single trip down the floor. We don't Look, the 2019-2020 team, great. They won a championship with point guard LeBron. That's fantastic. But you're also asking LeBron to do a lot of heavy lifting. And he's shown why he was so excited for Dennis Schroeder, why he was so excited for Russell Westbrook, that he doesn't want to have to bear that burden all season long. Understandable. But this is where the Lakers messed up here. You don't need a Russell Westbrook in that role. You don't need to spend $47 million. A taxpayer mid-level, that's fine. You need a game manager. You need someone, and I talked about this on our last show, you need someone who won't make mistakes, someone who can handle the ball, someone who can initiate the offense, and you don't break the bank on that, on LeBron needs a breather, let's take some of the burden off of him. You don't spend $47 million on that. I think the role is valid. The allocation of resources in Russell Westbrook in that role, and you can quibble over whether Russ really fits that role to begin with, that's fine, but period, whether it's Russell Westbrook, whether it's Kyle Lowry, whether it's whoever else, John Wall, $47 million on that specific role. I don't think that works as a roster build. I don't think that makes sense as a roster build. So if you want to look back and say they should have given up a first and gotten John Wall, I'll concede that Wall and Russell Westbrook are not the same player, but John Wall is also not a knockdown three-point shooter. He's not a three and D 
type of point guard that's going to also lock up players on the defensive end. Maybe a few years ago, he was a pretty good defender. But even if he was that version of John Wall that could shoot the three really well and was good defensively, even if you were getting that skill set, I still think you can question whether or not spending $47 million on we're getting this guy so LeBron doesn't have to run as much of the offense is worth it as opposed to spending that money on the wings, finding switchy defenders, finding guys who can help you on the boards, finding guys who can knock in threes. I think those things are more important. And that's why that's what I was harping on in the live show about Russ and John Wall and why I still wouldn't do that deal. Even though I will say, I think John Wall does fit better than Russ. I think going back to a conceptual point though, it doesn't make sense to spend those resources on that position. All right, uh, just decides that. Imagine having Kuzma and KCP on this team, Sobs. Yeah, I mean, gosh, Kuzma and KCP were both really good last night for the for, for the uh, the Nuggets and the the Wizards. It was tough looking at those stat lines <laughs> that they put up. Let's say that both of them certainly would be good fits on this Lakers team. Joseph Hernandez, how far did the Lakers get if they had Buddy and Miles? Honestly, well, I can say this. Look. If we want to pretend Miles Turner would not get hurt, would not have gotten hurt if he was a Laker, right? He landed on a ball boy's foot. He's out for the first week of the season for the Indiana Pacers. Let's pretend that Miles Turner didn't get hurt for the Pacers. And the Lakers make that trade. And instead of Russ, the Lakers have Miles Turner and Buddy Heal. They have a win over the Clippers. I feel pretty confident. And I'm not saying Russell Westbrook is to blame. The, the one for the 0 for 11 shooting that, that's bad. Russ did some good things on the defensive end. Again, it's a mixed bag. I'm not trying to blame Russ here. I promise Russ stands. I'm not trying to blame Russell Westbrook here. What I'm saying is they, the fit is better enough and the floor spacing is better enough that I'm pretty confident that if you were to swap Russell Westbrook out for those two players, the Lakers record right now is one and one. You probably still lose to the Warriors, but you just beat the Clippers. And you're one and one and the vibe around this team is probably considerably different and you're heading into a Sunday matchup against the Blazers with a 500 record. That is probably where you're at. Now, but the big question the Lakers are asking is not just would we get this win in October over the Clippers, it's would these guys give us a shot to win a championship? And that's where they're drawing the line, and that's also where they're not wanting to kick in two first-round picks in order to make that kind of a deal. Um, so I think all of those things are relevant. How far did the Lakers get if they had Buddy and Miles, honestly? It would come down to health. I think they would be considerably better. I think it would unlock this roster. Personally, I think it would take them. I look at this team right now, and I think their ceiling is probably the sixth seed. And I know there's a lot of people right now who are saying they can't see that. Let's give it 10 games before we you know, rule that out or anything. Let's see what this team can really be, uh, especially if we do get some positive regression in the shooting. But I think with Buddy and Miles, I'm putting their ceiling up to like the four seed. which Maybe that's enough. You get to the playoffs healthy. You've got LeBron and AD. You've got a puncher's chance. Off you go. But it could also go the other way. The four seed doesn't mean that's definitely what they get. I'm saying that's their ceiling. You could have a bunch of injury issues with AD. You could have injury issues with Miles Turner. Maybe Buddy Heald as the three-point shooter on the team isn't enough. Maybe you need more three-point shooting than just that, which is probably a factor. And you wind up still being like the seven seed or something like that. I just think it increases your range on the upside if you have those two guys. I would put the ceiling as the four seed if you have the two of them. Uh, DK, 
Why do so many Lakers fans complain? Ooh, Lakers in quotes, too, as though they're questioning whether or not they're actual Lakers fans. Still complain about LeBron. Sound like spoiled children, the way they complain. We did have a lot of people complaining about LeBron. See, here's, here's the thing. There's From what I've noticed from doing this for years now, when LeBron first signed with the Lakers, by my estimation, it was about 50-50 among Lakers fans between those who wanted LeBron and were excited and those who were not happy about it and did not want LeBron in the house that Kobe built. Because for a long time, it was LeBron versus Kobe. Heck, go watch the, the Redeem Team documentary on Netflix, which is really, really good. Um, and it kind of got into that rivalry a little bit between the two of them, even though they didn't personally feel it. It was a thing among fans. And so that carried over into LeBron's tenure with the Lakers. And when things start to go south, the people who never really let go of that start chirping again. And you start hearing that stuff. When LeBron has a bad game, you hear a few of those people complaining about him. So that's one subset that I've seen noticed of Lakers fandom. Um, those that never really accepted LeBron as a Laker. And so if things aren't going well, or if Le like LeBron didn't have a great shooting night against the Clippers, you'll hear some people here and there that are saying some things, criticizing him, things like that. So I think that's part of it. That's part of it. It's still the, the lingering residual effects of Kobe versus LeBron. The other piece to it that we're seeing in terms of the people who are complaining about LeBron uh, are the Russell Westbrook fans uh, or stands as the kids would say. So what's going on there is Russell Westbrook has been blamed for a lot. And I'll, I'll, I'll admit he's been blamed for more than he should have, right? He's been, people are saying, there's this weird thing going around right now where you've got former and current players, whether it's Paul George, whether it's uh, Jared Sullinger, right? I mean, you got all these different people that are uh, Charles Barkley, like, sticking up for Russell Westbrook as though the Lakers have picked on him and stuff. And I've talked about this a bunch already, um, but a lot of them are contending that Russell Westbrook is still a really good basketball player. I don't think he's not MVP Russ anymore. He's just not. I still think he could in the right lineup. He could work. He could be effective to a degree, but doing the things you need to do to make Russ effective in terms of putting pieces around him no longer equates to winning basketball. There was a point where it did, but as what happens with All-Stars, you know, Father Time eventually wins, as we've seen from the commercials with LeBron. LeBron's battling him right now, but uh, Father Time eventually wins, and I think we're just kind of hitting that point with Russell Westbrook where it no longer makes sense to try to build something around him, and you still have some players who are acting as, or former players, who are acting as though he's still that guy. I don't think he's that guy. But in any event, when... You've got these rust stands. What they're looking to do is deflect that blame. And again, there's probably too much blame being put on Russell Westbrook. Um, he's certainly not blameless, though, which is what others are kind of making him out to be. Blameless, and it's all the Lakers and not using him right, and Lakers fans are targeting him and all this kind of stuff. I'm not saying it's an easy situation for us. It can't feel good when the crowd audibly gasps when you go to shoot a three because they don't want to see you shoot it. Or when guys are telling you, you suck, and you're walking through the tunnel. And by the way, that's unacceptable. That, that should not be a thing. That's ridiculous. But that stuff's happening. And so there's some sympathy there for Russell Westbrook that's coming up there. He has probably gotten blamed for, for too much, for more than he should have. But so what's happened is Russell Westbrook fans have been trying to deflect most, if not all, of the blame. Saying it's, it's not on Russ. See, it's LeBron. It's 
Anthony Davis. It's these other things that are going on here. Um, for example, right? The second Russell Westbrook got hurt against the Kings, I mentioned to the Lakers Nation staff, I said, if this game really gets out of hand, the Russell Westbrook fans are going to be coming out of the woodwork saying, see, it's not Russ. See, we, it wasn't Russ. This is proof on and on and on. Sure enough, that's what happened. They're looking for anything they can to deflect that blame away from Russ. And so you get these two groups. Um, you've got the Russ fans who want to take the blame that's being directed at Russ and put it over onto LeBron or Anthony Davis, one or the other. And then you have the people who were Kobe fans and never really let go of the Kobe versus LeBron thing. So I think that's where, that's my long-winded answer there for why you see Laker fans complaining about LeBron. You have those two subsets of Lakers fans that will complain about LeBron James, and that's what, what's going on there. All right, Eric said, mostly agree with process over results, but in this case, you can see offensive execution, effort, and some cohesion. You can't teach or work on what we lack. We're small, we lack talent, and we lack fit. I think there's some truth to what he's saying here. Now, again, I think there's going to be positive regression on the three-point shooting. I think the three-point shooting will get better. It won't be good. 33%, which is my projected average for this team, is not good. You're in the running for worst in the NBA. So, But I'm not saying they're going to become a good three-point shooting team. They will be bad from behind the arc. I'm saying they won't be this bad. They won't be 22%. Like that's, that's for this era, that's historically bad. Historically bad. But it would be, I would bet a lot on the Lakers finishing better than 22% from three, even with the team as it is right now with no trades. It's just not, it's not going to happen. They're not going to finish. Again, this is a small sample size right now. They're not going to finish the season shooting 22% from three. There will be positive regression coming. Um, that said, I don't think you can take the guys that are on the team and turn them into snipers in one season. Over a career, it can happen. Happened with Jason Kidd. He was a non-shooter from three. The beginning of his career, by the end of his career, he basically only took threes. Right? Completely changed his game. Brooke Lopez didn't shoot threes at the beginning of his career. Midway through, start shooting threes. Now he's... He's a floor spacing big. It's what he does. So that's something that I think has the ring of truth to it. That you're not going to take these guys in season. It's not like they're suddenly going to get significantly better from behind the arc. You can't really teach that now. If you had this group for five years, sure, maybe there would be some things that would improve in their shooting. But in one season, it's not going to happen. And again, that just speaks to the need for a trade that much further. Uh, the size, yeah, you're not going to change that. Maybe you add Mo Harkless in free agency. Maybe he gives you a little bit more size on the wing. But having a bunch of talent wrapped up in the guard position, in smaller guards, and not having enough big wings, the only solution to that problem, just like the only solution to the three-point problem, or at least a step towards a solution, because I don't even know that a single trade can solve it. It is. A, it's a trade. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. You can go sign somebody in free agency, I guess, but they're not going to make enough of an impact. You're going to have to make a trade if you decide you want to fix these problems. But we did see some positive things against the Clippers, and I'm glad Eric mentioned the execution, the effort, a little bit of cohesion. The, the, the team did not play poorly against the Clippers. They just couldn't make their shots. And it completely erased all their efforts in every other category.
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Peanut Butter Badger said, Badger said, everyone needs to do shooting drills after this game. Bring in lethal, LOL. Yeah, I mean, again, the shooting drills, I, you can try to get into more of a rhythm shooting, but again, I don't think you're going to teach these guys to be significantly better shooters over the course of one season. Nonetheless, yes, if you're, you know, the old school coaching mentality is you're making every guy hit 100 free throws till they can leave the gym or, or something like that. It would be nice to see this team have a positive regression shooting game. That's for sure. Particularly from behind the arc. Uh, Dobio said, oh, they're a Clippers fan. Conceded that if they had Buddy and Turner, the Lakers would have won. I think that's fair. Especially coming from the Clippers perspective. Um, I And I'm in full agreement with that. If they had those two guys on the team, the Lakers win that game against the Clippers. Again, the question is, do they contend for a championship with those two guys? I think a lot of it will come down to health. I'm still so intrigued. I'm so intrigued by an Anthony Davis, Miles Turner pairing and what that could be defensively. That could be ridiculously good on the defensive end of the floor, while also stressful as could possibly be in regards to injuries. Uh, Anthony Martinez said, Golden State set up Clay after a bad start with two uh, mid-range shots. The Lakers should do the same with our shooters so they aren't starting the game 0-4 whatever. That's smart coaching. I don't feel like the looks have been that bad that the Lakers have been getting. Look, there were a few Kendrick Nunn plays where he had to take some shots under duress that probably didn't help him to get into a rhythm. But for the most part, for the most part, I feel like the Lakers are getting good looks. They're just not making them. They're getting good looks. Um, LeBron posited that perhaps... Those looks are so good because teams aren't that worried about their shooting. Maybe our teams like letting the Lakers shoot already. Is that where we're at in the season already? I don't know, but I feel like the looks are pretty good. You could scheme up some more stuff going to the basket or something. That's another way to get a shooter into rhythm is to get them to the free throw line, scheme something together that gets them going to the basket and ideally gets them a trip to the line so they can get that rhythm at the free throw line and then go from there. Sometimes you'll see guys, some of the best scorers will do that. If they feel like they're kind of in a funk, they'll get themselves going at the free throw line. So maybe something like that. But in general, I don't feel like Darvin Ham needs to switch up his schemes all that much because I like the looks the Lakers are getting for the most part. You just, you just have to make the shot. I know that sounds like an oversimplification, but a big part of basketball is putting the ball in the basket. Got to make them. DeAndre Melvin. I believe this is the last one, said, I think it's time for us to all face the music and realize that the team simply needs to be scrapped. This group therapy session is very helpful. Well, DeAndre, you know what? This, this is actually how 
this show started. When we started as a post-game show, or we started doing our post-game shows, the Lakers Nation podcast had been around for a little bit. But when we started doing post-game shows, this was pre-LeBron, and the Lakers were really bad. The Lakers were really bad, and we spent most of our post-game shows venting. That's what we did. We vented, we talked, we, we worked through everything together. It's, it's how we rolled. That's what we did on the post-game show. And so it does kind of serve as that outlet. And that wasn't necessarily intentional on my part. We just kind of wanted to break down the game and get to talk with fans and, and all that. But it has been sort of the, the positive side effect of this show is that we have an opportunity then to vent after games and talk to other fans and commiserate with other fans. Or on the flip side, what we we prefer to do is celebrate with other fans, share that experience, um, either share that good feeling or um, console each other over the bad feelings that come with losses. And so it does kind of wind up like group therapy, getting to talk through these losses, particularly when they're frustrating ones like what we've seen so far this year and, of course, last year as well. As far as scrapping the whole team, like that's a pretty drastic... If you're talking about scrapping the whole team, like trade LeBron, trade AD, start from scratch, it's, you know, fire sale. That's a drastic thing, and I don't think it's in the Lakers' DNA to trade away LeBron after he just signed an extension with them. As much as, because see, look, our knee-jerk reaction is the Lakers hurt us, right? Because it hurts, right? It's, it doesn't feel good what the team did last season. Worst fan experience in, in team history. Awful. And then when you see them losing games this season, the knee-jerk reaction is burn this to the ground. Burn it all down. I don't want to see these guys anymore. Get rid of this. And that's why I've called the the fact that they turned over pretty much their whole roster was a little bit cathartic because nobody wanted to see that team from last year back again. And so I can understand why the, the reaction might be get rid of all of this. This is all bad. Get rid of all of it. Start fresh. Start over. It's ruined. There's no saving this. I understand that. But when you've got an all-time talent like LeBron, when you've got a player who can get to an incredible level in Anthony Davis, you've got to give that a chance to really work through things and you've got to give them the pieces they need to succeed. And that's where I'm still expecting a trade to come, just a matter of when the Lakers ultimately pull the trigger on something. But I don't think that they really are in the mindset of let's trade LeBron, let's trade AD, let's get future picks, let's roll out the tank and let's start rebuilding from the ground up. Again, it might feel good to say that, and we might think those things because this team hasn't been good. I don't think it's in the Lakers' DNA to do that. I think that would be very drastic. And I also don't think financially, from that perspective, it makes sense to jettison a guy like LeBron who brings in a lot of money as well for the franchise. So I just, they're not doing that. They're not going to do that. They're going to do what they can to try to build around LeBron. They know they have one shot with these two first-round picks that they've got to use them in a trade. And if they don't hit this one out of the park, if they don't get this one right, they're dead in the water. They have one chance at this. And so that's why I think they're being so careful here. But ultimately, I believe a move is going to be made. All right, everybody. Appreciate you all for joining me on a, a special weekend episode of the Lakers Nation podcast. Again, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Check us out over on the uh, Lakers Nation podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Heck, if you're a YouTube viewer, you can still go subscribe to the Apple Podcast version as well. Helps out with our rankings and everything. But again, 
Thank you guys all for joining me. Hopefully you'll come visit us on playback during Lakers versus Blazers. We watch the same stream, same game together, break everything down with you. It's a lot of fun. It's like our live show, but we're all watching the game at the same time. So we get to share that experience. So come join us over there. I'll put the link in the description below on the YouTube channel. Till next time, everybody. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and see ya. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.